This episode is brought to you by Morty, Rizova, Recon, and Patreon supporters like you. Supporting our sponsors supports our work. This year, we're hosting Recon, the Reality Escape Convention, virtually, so that we can bring our entire global community together. Our team has decided to alternate one year in person, one year virtual, and this year, we are doing it online. We also have wonderful speakers, some of whom have been guests on Repod, like Anne and Chris Lukeman from CU Adventures, Guy Bosco from Israel, who has designed over 200 escape rooms, and Dino Paolo from last season, who is going to be sharing a lot of insights about some of the problems that his business ran into. We have some phenomenal talks in the works. Recon has a variety of ticket types to meet your needs, and the basic ticket is free. No tricks. We want our global community at Recon, and we hope to see each and every one of you there August 19th and 20th, 2023. You can learn more at realityescapecon.com. Details in the show notes. Tickets are on sale now. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive games from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guests are the owners and creators behind Exit Games, Taylor Pfeiffer and Josh Skidmore. Along with Josh's father, Frank, they have created two of the most well-regarded escape rooms in the United States, Servants of Slight and the Golden Alock Ward winning Pins and Needles Tattoo Parlor. Welcome, Tay and Josh. Didn't know that part. Didn't know that part. <laughs> <laughs> that is so exciting. Thank you guys so much for having us. We are so excited to be here. Yes, thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Thank We're you. to have you. Yes. So this is coming out after the award ceremony, and we decided to make an exception and let you know that that was a thing that was happening. That is the coolest thing ever. I know it didn't click in my brain at first when you said that. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> that is so cool. Thank you guys. It is such an honor. You're welcome. Congrats. Thanks for making such an incredible game. Thank you. I got to get down there and play. But first, let's start with your origin story. So how did the two of you find your way into the world of escape rooms? This question I feel like gets asked the most to Tay and I. And so We've been playing the point and click games ever since we were, you know, in middle school. And as we got older, we started dating. And I believe it was back in 2015, Tay was like, I have this real life escape room book for you. We're a big Red Sox fans. So we were up in Boston and it was our first game we ever played. It was just a plain white room. I believe it was Escape the Room. And we walked in there. We were teamed up with another couple and it was just the coolest experience that we ever had. After that, we just started playing them all over the country. We eventually made our way over to Europe to play a lot. And then we just started doing a lot of research about them and found out that there was a huge market for it. And that's kind of how we found our way into opening our first location in Wilmington, North Carolina in August of 2016. You have two locations, the internationally renowned location in Clearwater, Florida, and the original 
more locally focused spot in Wilmington, North Carolina that you just mentioned. I have played both and they feel like they were both made by you, but with notably different goals and maybe even different philosophies underpinning each location. How were your two facilities crafted similarly and differently? Yeah. So with our Wilmington location, it was our baby. It was our entry into escape rooms. So it was definitely where we learned about escape rooms. With every room that was developed too, there was a little bit of evolution and growth. And as we were continuing on in Wilmington, we were growing in enthusiasm ourselves as you know enthusiasts in playing. And we knew that we wanted to expand to another location. We had looked for another location in Wilmington. We were looking in similar markets such as Savannah, Charleston, et cetera, Josh has family in Clearwater. And we ended up going down for an event and we just looked at a couple of properties just for fun and ended up finding the one that we're actively in in Clearwater and fell in love with it. And when we began to build, we had a significantly larger space, which was something that we always craved because in Wilmington in 2016, we didn't know that escape rooms were going to take off the way that they did. So our space is significantly smaller. So that was something on our wish list when we were looking for a new spot. And when we had that space to play, Josh and I really just wanted to do everything that we felt limited doing in Wilmington. So we wanted things to be bigger and we always wanted to design to the best of our abilities and just challenge our abilities. And I think with that one, we just started to selfishly build an adventure that we wanted to play as enthusiasts. So it was the coolest thing ever when people started to play and it was well-received. I think Clearwater's location was really our passion project. So that's where we get to play and experiment. And Wilmington is still our baby and we love it, but it caters to a different demographic with Florida our demographic being tons of enthusiasts and people that really, really love escape rooms. So that's where we get to play even more. You have touched on a whole bunch of different things just now that we're going to get to all of them. I want to start off with illustrating for our listeners, especially I have to imagine even those who have played in one of your locations, most have probably not played in both. Let's take the Servants of Slight deconstruction as an example. In Florida, it's Servants of Slight. It's a 90-minute game. In Wilmington, there are two different games, Doggone Alley, which is basically the first third or so of Servants of Slight with some different gameplay, and then the White Rabbit Society, which is the bulk of the second half of Servants of Slight. What's the story here behind the deconstruction and the splitting and the whole approach here? So the way those two games came to be, it was actually in the middle of the pandemic. So it was basically just a financial decision on our end. At our Wilmington location, we have always had just two adventures. And we just came up with the idea financially, if we could squeeze a third game in there, it would help us get through the pandemic. So that's where we deconstructed it. David, you've been to our facility, so you can kind of see how White Rabbit how we made that atmosphere fit that theme. And then Doggone Alley was the second half of an old game. So it is a very small environment that is just jam-packed with as many puzzles as we could in there. Now, I will say that with our new location, Doggone Alley and White Rabbit will be transferring over to where they will get a revamp in a much larger space. So Doggone Alley and White Rabbit will now be multiple 
environments and those adventures. Interesting. So let me get this straight. You first opened escape rooms in Wilmington, and then you opened a location in Clearwater, which included Servants of Slight, and then you deconstructed those games and brought them back to Wilmington. Is that the timeline? Correct. We built Servants originally in Clearwater and then copied that version and deconstructed it back to Wilmington. And then we just recently, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, opened our second location in Wilmington, so our third location. And we also brought a version of Pins and Needles Tattoo Parlor, which is now Hidden Needle Tattoo Parlor, in a very similar fashion that's a deconstructed, consolidated version of that experience as well. Having played the deconstructed versions first, which you both begged Lisa and I not to do. (laughs) We tried. And we went in understanding that. And I'm really glad that I had the chance to do it. I left those two games feeling like you were talented escape room creators. I really enjoyed myself. I could not understand why Servants of Slight was considered by so many and so many people that I respected to be one of the top escape rooms in the United States. It wasn't until I went to Clearwater and played them together that I could see the gestalt of it all, the way that it was more than the sum of its parts that I actually understood, but I truly didn't understand it until I saw it. And for that reason alone, I'm really glad I got to see all of the different versions. It's like the difference between eating a hamburger whole and eating like the patty and the lettuce and everything all separately. That's a good analogy. It is is very interesting. Knowing you guys coming down to Florida, we were really excited that you were going to get to see the final package of everything, how it ties together every single little element that makes servants received the way that it is from people. It really is a beautiful thing. One of the other things that's really interesting about both White Rabbit Society and Servants of Slight is that they both are built around a magician's bar, but they have dramatically different aesthetics and both are gorgeous. They are both the kinds of places that I would personally love to get a drink and hang out. (laughs) And I mean that like genuinely, if they were actual bars, I would go to a place like this. What drove the aesthetic decisions in each of these? That is a great question because Josh and I have never been the designers that get it all down on paper first and then build it. We very much build as we go, which can be a blessing and a curse because it can be very time consuming. But it was funny because with servants, we knew that we wanted a magic themed experience because we're big magic fans ourselves. And we knew that we wanted it to be more mysterious magician, almost Illuminati meets magic type of situation. So I think that's where it went. So we figured out what our first environment was. And we personally, as enthusiasts, love vastly contrasting environments. So we wanted our second environment to make sense within the story, but to look very different than the first. So that's how we came up with this. That environment that you're referring to, we wanted it to be that mystery, but that plot twist of the storyline to kind of advance it. So it's a little hard to describe while being cryptic, but once we created it in Servants, we definitely wanted to replicate it in White Rabbit. And it was a really fun challenge to see how we can make a similar environment, but to fit that space and to fit that vibe and that ambiance. And it's funny because when we created it in Servants of Slight, 
we weren't initially satisfied with how it looked because we had this vision, but we couldn't get it out. And then as we built and as people were coming through, we learned to to love it and people have enjoyed it. So we appreciate that. And then what is a really cool fact is at our Wilmington location, David, you played it, but there's a boutique on the first floor of our building. And a long time ago, it used to be an old bank. So the original ceilings in White Rabbit Society used to be the vaulted ceilings of the bank. So you can see the big chandelier hanging down, the vaulted ceilings. That is all original. So we had a lot of fun getting to play with that and bringing that into the experience as well. It's beautiful, truly. So pretty. Our building is historic and it was Wilmington's first skyscraper. So it has a lot of ornate features and many of which within the building, the rest of the building, all of the ceilings are completely covered with drop-in except for our ceiling in White Rabbit. So we very much want to leave that as intact as possible and we love it. Whoever vandalized those other ceilings deserves punishment. (laughs) When we first ran our wiring for our cams and our mics, we put the drop-in ceiling, you know, we popped it up and saw that the rest of the ceiling was like that. And I was like, this is awful. Criminal. (laughs) (laughs) I, we know a lot of designers that have ceiling envy. <laughs> Leanne Young and Aaron Hooper talked a lot about having ceiling envy. Uh, so it's funny that you guys mentioned keeping things cryptic about your escape rooms. And even though I haven't had a chance to play your games yet, I really love the names of your escape rooms. I feel like you've really elevated the naming of them into an art form. The Servants of Slight and Pins and Needles are very different uh, from the normal naming conventions. And it gives just enough clues about the theme to be intriguing without spelling it out entirely. So how do you come up with these names? That's a really good question. <laughs> a great question. <laughs> I think for us, we just wanted to come up with something that represented what the adventure would entail, but also a name that kind of stands for what we want to do in the industry. So when we came up with Servants of Slight first, how those words just roll off the tongue, we knew if people enjoyed this game and you know it lived up to what we wanted it to be, that sounds like a household name. The reason I was laughing when you asked that is when we moved down to Florida and we're opening Servants, we were telling all of our family and friends we wanted to name it Servants of Slight. And every single person that we knew was like, absolutely not. Do not do that. It makes no, you know, is it Slight? Is it Slight? What is that? That's too hard of a name. Just name it, you know, like the magician something. And Josh and I were like, we cannot do that to ourselves. You know, we still have one adventure back in Wilmington that has a traditional, you know, escape room name. And we vowed we're like, we'll we'll never do it again because it's so much fun now to turn that into an art itself with the title and give those little, you know, sneaky peeks if we can. So definitely we have a lot of fun with it. And we ask all of our family and friends for input. But then ultimately, sometimes we'll just be like, I like it enough. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. I'm glad you stuck to your guns on that. We are too. (laughs) And then Pins and Needles Tattoo Parlor, obviously there could be multiple meanings behind that. And I think once players experience it, you can see all the different meanings that come out of that name. I had no idea it was about a tattoo parlor until very recently. (laughs) I like that. Through all of these conversations about escape rooms, one of the things I've realized is that the mystique, managing expectations, plays a really big part in how much I enjoy an experience like an escape room. 
I appreciate the names and also it's memorable. Like I'm finding it hard to distinguish which Prison Break game I've played, you know? Sure. <laughs> yes. Why did you change the name to Hidden Needles when you moved the game to Wilmington? So Pins and Needles Tattoo Parlor is our thriller type adventure is how I would describe it. Now, with it in Wilmington, it has stripped that element of being a thriller. And so that kind of alludes to a little bit of the name with it. So we wanted to change it also because although they are deconstructed versions of our experiences down in Florida, just as David has described, they're very different from one another. So I wouldn't want to label White Rabbit as Servants of Slight. And I wouldn't want to label Hidden Needles as Pins and Needles because they are distinctly different. And I would hate for, you know, enthusiasts as much as I would love to host everybody at all of our locations are so grateful for anyone to visit any of them. If somebody is a true enthusiast and is looking for maybe what they've heard about these experiences, I wouldn't want them to experience it in Wilmington versus Florida where they could get it in its full effect. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Again, you're managing expectations. There was a post recently, I believe, in the Carolina Enthusiast page where enthusiasts were asking, is this going to be the same game as Pins and Needles? We're super excited to come play it there. And, you know, we just want to be super transparent that although it is a deconstructed version, if you do want the entire full effect, we recommend coming to our Clearwater location to see the whole package. We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing your escape rooms and other immersive social outings. And Morty is now available for all to use on its brand new web experience, in addition to its fantastic iPhone app. I believe in Morty so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor. One of the things that I love best about Morty is how often they're updating their filters. And this latest update is awesome. They've made a really powerful filtering tool when you're looking for new escape rooms to play. So you can filter out games you've already played, but you can also select for in real life escape rooms versus a virtual experience or tabletop game. You can also select for the number of players that you'll have in your group. You could only look for games that have a discount code. You can select for duration of games. Maybe you want to play a game that's longer than 60 minutes. You can also search for games with different difficulty levels. And you can also look for games that have public bookings. Or maybe you only want to play something that will offer a private game. So the possibilities are endless, but Morty has made it really easy to find the exact game that will suit your needs. You can learn more at mortyapp.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details are in the show notes. I'm curious how you have approached adjusting your games for different markets. You have very different visions for your Florida location and your North Carolina location. How do you decide how you're changing the games for North Carolina? 
It's a great question. So we start with the full puzzle flow of whatever the original experience is. So we get that full puzzle flow down, keeping in mind that our adventures are both 90 minutes in Florida and we have 60 minute adventures here in Wilmington. So needless to say, we have to remove a portion of the puzzle flow for time purposes. Now, a big factor for us is our demographic of guests in Wilmington. It's most often that they've played zero to perhaps 10 or on the very rare side, maybe 20 escape rooms, maybe a bit more. But in Florida, we're exposed to people that have played zero, but have also played 50, 500 or a thousand escape rooms. The difficulty for our Florida adventures can be slightly higher to where it's not obnoxiously challenging, but to where it's not obnoxiously easy for enthusiasts. Whereas we might remove a layer of a multi-layer puzzle for our Wilmington puzzle flow. And it also has a lot to do with size and space. When you're eliminating the number of environments that you have within, it will automatically take some of those puzzles away from it. And then we just play it out and the puzzles themselves have been proven through the Florida Adventures, but we still need to test them to see how the demographic of guests react to them here. So we still do a lot of beta testing and modifying and adjusting accordingly. And it has been proving really funny to us lately with Hidden Needle. Some of the puzzles in Pins and Needles that are most challenging for our guests there have been less challenging for our guests here and flip-flop with some others. So it's been very interesting for us to see. Enthusiasts are notoriously bad at searching. So that usually tends to be the main difference. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. There are more exploration-based puzzles a lot of times in our Wilmington adventures. And with Hidden Needle and Wilmington, the ending is a complete 360 from pins and needles. We had to get super creative with that, how we were going to tell that story and get it to the final point. Even without having played your games, just from going on your website, I could tell that you're really intentional about your storytelling. For example, something that I found really delightful was the warning that you have for (laughs) pins and needles, which is rated R and 16 plus only. And rather than having a bunch of corporate language around it, this is from your website. It says, this experience may cause the desire to run to the nearest tattoo shop and ink your whole body without giving a mother fudge. Other side effects may include discomfort caused by extreme thrills, the growth of tougher skin, or crying like a little baby. I cannot take any credit for that. That was all take. I have too much fun with these warnings, guys. I really do. I will sit there for hours and just like come up with these random warnings for like each of the adventures. And it's so much fun. But it's already giving me a taste of what to expect. I have a very good friend of mine who created an adult rated like 18 plus escape room. And he would tell me that he would still have people booking corporate bookings. When you have an experience that is 16 or 18 rated plus, I think it's good to make these warnings as clear as you did. We definitely didn't want anyone to be surprised by this because if this is not your speed or if you are sensitive to explicit language, although it may not be 
in your face like some of the other rated R 18 up adventures that we've experienced before. We just want to make sure it is abundantly clear that, you know, it might not be the adventure for you and that's totally fine. And we've had some people close to us be like, Hey guys, I hope you don't take offense. That's just not really my jam. And I'm like, I completely respect it. It is all good. I would rather you just have a clear expectation that it is not your jam and then we're good to go. You've had two huge hit games in Servants of Slight and Pins and Needles. They are certainly unique from one another, but structurally it feels like there are some similarities between them. What's your approach to game design when you're striving to make a game like these two? Yeah, that is, I would say, one of the most challenging aspects for when Tay and I design. We do our best to try to be original. So once Servants was built, What we try to do is, especially when we're playing other adventures or other experiences, what we look for is what made us feel a particular way whenever we're playing a game. Now, how did we feel in that moment when we solved something, how something looked scenically? And what we'll try to do is take that feeling of how we felt and how can we replicate that or how can that motivate us to be super creative to where we're creating something totally original that gives that same effect. Now, it can be super challenging, obviously, with thousands of escape rooms throughout the world. You're bound to see similarities throughout different games. And I think if you see those similarities inside of pins versus servants, it's because that's probably how we just design as a team altogether. We strive to come up with very original puzzles in pins. However, I can see how someone could see the similarities in servants as well. Tell me if I'm on point here. Your games all have a story, but to me, they feel deeply rooted in theme. Like you're starting with something that excites you, magic and tattoo culture, respectively, and then drill as deeply as you can into them in the escape room format. Is that an accurate description of how you're operating? Absolutely. As players ourselves, we really love immersion and storyline. And so when we create our experiences, we really want that to be a driving force. The second that you step inside of our facility or into one of our adventures, we want you to forget about the outside world for 90 minutes or whatever it may be to truly adopt the character that you're supposed to be playing within our storylines because you are bringing it to life. Every task that you're completing, you're unlocking a new chapter of the story until you can ultimately reach the story's end and accomplish your mission that way. So you start with a theme and then you build the puzzles and interactions into the story? Yes. So we like to create a loose base of our storyline and get an idea of what environments we want within that storyline. And then we build from there. So we will build our environment and say, okay, what kind of items would be within this environment? Now, can we create puzzles out of the objects that would be within this environment? How would this environment naturally work if a person was interacting with these elements? And then we go from there. I will say the tattoo parlor was super interesting and challenging because I don't have tattoos and I'm not sure if I had ever been into a tattoo parlor before we designed this game. We were hoping that people would perceive it as looking like a tattoo parlor. So really for me, pins and needles is the closest I have gotten to a actual (laughs) tattoo parlor. But one of our teammates who's very into tattooing culture was really blown away by the experience you had crafted. 
I was glad that we had him there because I honestly would not have been able to fully appreciate it without him. It's very cool with that environment because we wanted to create an accurate representation of a tattoo parlor. But at the same time, you can only do that so much to which we were like, okay, well, if we were owners of a tattoo parlor, how would we put our craft on it? How would we make our tattoo shop look? And so we kind of went halfway what we thought a tattoo parlor would accurately be. And then the other half of it was, okay, if Tay and Josh were the owners of this tattoo parlor, how would we put our spin on it? And then that's how we ultimately created that environment. We're very big on contrasting environments. So as the story progressed, that's where we really got to play and come up with these new environments as the experience goes on. What made you choose a tattoo parlor if you're not tattoo people? It is interesting. I do have a few tattoos, but I'm not a tattoo junkie by any means. And Josh needs to get his first one, especially that we have two tattoo parlor things. Right. I think we're going to we're gonna get him on that. We've had people walk out of pins and go get tattoos. So. <laughs> but I don't know what made us think of it. We really wanted to have, like Josh said, we wanted to come up with something original. We were like, okay. These are the common themes and don't get me wrong. I could play a pirate ship room a thousand times over and I will still be impressed and still absolutely love them. But what we were really trying to come up with was something that we haven't seen before. And we have always liked the idea of maybe a thriller based barbershop type of thing. And we're like, no, I don't want to do that. So we tried to piggyback off of that. And then that's when we had that thought of a tattoo parlor. And we were like, I think it's going to be really hard to design it because we haven't been exposed to anything like that before, but that was such a fun challenge. And then we just went back to atmospheric stuff to create the puzzle. So we ended up having so much Mm -hmm. fun with it. We were also taking a risk because at that point, servants was our only game operating. So from a business standpoint, Tay and I were like, do we really want to put out this rated R adventure (laughs) that people aren't going to be able to bring their kids to play? So we'd have friends, family reaching out to us asking us if that was going to be the best decision as far as getting guests and customers inside the door. And fortunately, it turned out to be great working out in our favor because it obviously has turned out to be a big hit for people and we're proud with where it ended up. Another stick to your gun situation (laughs) that we were glad it worked out. (laughs) I love an edgy theme. Rizova is your all-in-one, all-inclusive software for bookings made specifically with escape rooms in mind. Incorporating community-driven features, it's designed to follow the guest journey. From selecting times to book, waiver management, integrated point-of-sale system, and follow-up emails. Rizova is the ultimate online reservation software designed to elevate the guest experience, increase game master efficiency, drive sales, and improve operations. PG, what is fantastic about Rizova is that they offer something for the owners, something for the guests, and something for the GMs. What does Rizova offer the guests? As an escape room enthusiast, as a guest, What I care about in my guest experience is increased convenience. And Rizova can do that for you. First of all, they have full integration with Morty. That means that escape rooms can offer their booking times on Morty. And that's how I tend to use it the most. 
I want as few clicks as possible to get from me finding your escape room to me playing your escape room. And less clicks means it's easier to book. That means more revenue for you. I also like that it automates emails, reminding me of my bookings. It sends follow-up emails asking how it did, if I want to leave a review. It's just really useful and convenient for me as a guest. And that's what you want if you want guests to come back and play all of your other rooms. To learn more, get a free demo, and find out how easy Rizova can make your transition to their technology, head over to rizova.com slash R-E-A. And be sure to use our link or drop our name, because as a thank you to Repod listeners, Rizova is offering up to $100 in Google AdWords when you sign up through our link. Details in the show notes. With two smash hits under your belt, what kind of pressure are you feeling for your next game in Clearwater? I will tell you, we definitely are feeling a lot of pressure. I think we felt the most pressure, though, with pins. I think it was because Servants was so well-received. I think we were like, we have to have our second adventure. We wanted it to be better than Servants, no doubt about it. Every time we build, we want it to be better and show an evolution. And then we were so nervous about that with pins. And then when pins was well-received, I think it finally gave us that confidence to be like, okay, they loved one and two. Obviously, we're doing something at least a little bit right. So let's just ride that wave. Let's trust our gut, continue doing what we're doing. We do have pressure on ourselves, but we don't want to rush building adventure number three in Clearwater. And I know people are really ready for it and we're so ready for them to have it. And we can build it quickly and give it to them, but we want to do it the right way. And so that's why it's taking us longer than anticipated. That makes sense. But I can imagine it is reassuring to know that you were able to replicate and I think even build on the magic that has to be calming. Definitely, yes. And we're so grateful for it. But we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind me asking, I know it's going to be a little bit of a wait, but can you give us any information about what game number three might be? So there is definitely an Easter egg on our website. There's a couple of Easter eggs inside of Pins and Needles for those that have played it, but the Easter egg is a Chinese to-go box. So without giving too much away, it will kind of stay within the realm of New York back alley, kind of like Servants of Slight is in the back alleyway with Fenway's Pins and Needles tattoo parlors in the back alley. Although David has made it clear there are no back alleys in New York City, so everybody live in our world. (laughs) That is correct. So... Picture Noodle House, and the story progresses from there. Interesting. And I know you said it was quite a ways off, but do you have a rough timeline? Josh and I are the king and queen of not ever giving timelines because we never can get them to match it. It is literally just Josh and I's hands building it, and sometimes his dad, Frankie. So, you know, we really want it to be what people want it from us. So, It will take us a bit longer than anticipated, but we will always make sure to tell everybody every step of the way if it's closer than anticipated. So Servants took us about seven months to build, and then Pins, I believe, took us roughly a year. So we're hopeful to be able to start working on our third game, I would say, at the end of this year. So you guys are going to laugh when I ask you this question. 
I have a friend, my friend Alyssa Diaz, who's a big enthusiast. She's also a patron. She just came out and played your games, and she sent me a question, which says, your rooms stand out in terms of appealing scenic design and execution. Did you work with the designer? How big of a crew did it take to build out each room space and how much time? <laughs> like, she was so impressed, and this is a picky gal. She thought you guys had a whole construction crew. I wish. <laughs> that is the most humbling thing I have Thank ever you. heard. Yes, it's literally just myself, Josh, and Josh's dad, Frank. And we do have our team, though, moving forward. We want them to be able to put their hands on it. They're there and they're supportive and they definitely help us out when we need extra hands in certain settings. So I want them to be able to experience more of that moving forward. Frankie, his dad, does not come from any carpentry background or anything of the sort. And just his Grandpa used to work with them out in the backyard, teaching woodworking and things of the sort. So when we first started designing escape rooms, Frankie was lead construction man through and through. And with servants, definitely lead construction man. You know, the three of us, all of our hands on it, but he's taking lead on when Josh and I are like, we need to make this thing happen like this. He tells us how to do it. And we're so grateful and so fortunate for everything that he has taught us that now, although we can steal him for a day or two here and there, it is just Josh and I. And so it's very rewarding when we build now because we can be more proud of what we designed, knowing that our hands physically crafted everything. So we get to have a lot of fun and we're always learning and there's a lot of trial and error in there. We might build and rebuild and tear it down a million times before it's the final product. And it's really cool to the customer's eyes when we're designing, we really like detail overload whenever you go into an environment, not necessarily to where you completely lose grasp of being able to puzzle solve, but we do want you to feel like you're in that authentic environment. And being totally transparent, Tay and I, tech isn't our background. It's not really our forte. So we get really creative with how we do lighting, sound, tech triggers. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that you know, can make this experience look very grand and big to the customer's eyes. And, you know, it's a lot of what we're doing behind the scenes or how we're manipulating things. So we're constantly learning for sure to see how we can advance and make that more streamlined, but we get creative. So impressive. Yeah. So you were just talking about how your first two games are set in New York. Your next one is going to be as well. I know that there is an increasing trend among companies that really build to the degree that you do to start including interlinks between games or overworlds. Is that something that's in the cards for Clearwater? We very much love the concept of Easter eggs and linking stories between adventures. So I would absolutely love to bake more of that into our adventures in any way that we can. And sometimes it unintentionally becomes an afterthought when we're designing and we have to take a moment of pause to be like, hey, if we want this to happen, it needs to be very intentional from the start so that it makes sense within the storyline. And we have little moments of that right now actively between servants and pins. And I think we could amplify it a lot more. But those little moments when people catch up on the Easter eggs between the two. It's always just that kind of quirky, like giggle that makes us feel really good. We love that feeling. I can tell that you're really building for enthusiasts. And I hear that you guys are also enthusiasts yourselves, both well-traveled and very experienced. How has your travel and experience influenced your work? I would say once Tay and I really got to 
explore and hit different areas of the U.S. You know, when we first started playing games, it was just along the East Coast. And then that's when we started venturing out to Europe because Tay used to live in Prague for a little bit. She was doing an internship there. So I was able to go out there and visit her for a few weeks. And that was years ago, still early in the escape room industry. And honestly, one of the biggest companies that ever had an influence on us was The Room in Berlin. And at that time, when we went and played those adventures, whatever magic they had cooking up, every time Tay and I walked out, we would just be like, these guys, this is like how you should build. This is what motivates us to be better. And when we go and play different facilities and adventures, that's what we look for. And we're super appreciative of the hard work that all these owners put in to come up with super creative and original content. Glad to hear it. Chris Latner is one of our earliest guests on this show. We had him on in season one. And uh, yeah, he is meticulous about the experiences that he has crafted. And I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear that he influenced your work. Absolutely. That's a perfect example of detail overload whenever we would walk into an adventure and just be totally lost. And that's when we were just like, we want to be better. Europe really was a standout. And I'm so grateful that when we went to Europe and played those games, it was so early on with us being enthusiasts and before the venue was open, our first venue for sure. And so I think we were exposed to such high level experiences so early on that really, really motivated us from the start to be better, 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 because we were always looking for something like that when we were playing. I can really relate to what you're saying, because for me, my fourth escape room was in Prague in 2014. It was the Alchemist Chamber at Mind Maze. Oh, I've, uh, I may have played that one before. I know I've played a Mind Maze one with my roommate, but I'm not sure if I had played Alchemist. That game, while it was early, it was miles ahead of anything that I had played in the U.S. at that point and really would play for like a year in the U.S. So it was interesting to me to hear the way that that opened up your eyes, because that's the effect that it had for me. I'm not sure that Room Escape Artist exists if I hadn't gone to Europe and seen some stuff that was significantly ahead of what we were seeing in 2014. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. I have a very random question for you. I have heard a rumor about a lobby bear delivering intros. What's the story here? (laughs) Poor, poor Richard Burns. So (laughs) Richard Burns, if you're hearing this. Oh, he will be hearing this. Him and his family were the sole recipient of an experimental project called Padlock which is a bear that we found from Goodwill Habitat for Humanity. Can't remember what it was. And we saw this bear statue and Josh and I were like, we need to have this thing. We're like, oh, it'll be perfect in the lobby. We'll just add it in there, throw an exit game t-shirt on it. And Frank, his dad would always mess with us and be like, you need to use this thing, you know, do something with it. And so we were like, let's put a speaker in it and let's make a funny, quirky intro to the experience where we'll kind of leave you alone with this bear and this bear will start talking to you and will give you the directions of how to begin your adventure. And I don't know what gave us the bright idea to start the first experiment with Richard Burns group, <laughs> but he was, we the did one it with, with the one and only, we did it with him and it was hilarious. We were cracking up from the back and it ended up going smoothly. I think we just never installed the speaker never played with it and kept on going about it and totally forgot about it until 
Richard had brought it up again. But in the back of our head, we have always thought everybody that's friends that talk, we were like, I wonder if Richard's ever been like, yeah, what about the bear? (laughs) (laughs) The bear certainly made an impression on him. And he has been trying to figure out for a long time if he truly was the only recipient of this. Oh, he truly was. Okay. (laughs) There you go, Richard. You've got the answer. It's like those memories where you forget, like if it, you made it up or if it was a real memory, and everyone yes. else is like, "What bear?" <laughs> yeah, I totally get it, and I don't know. We'll have to ask Richard if it was a great addition or a poor addition because I'm message him there's right still potential for Padlock. He's still there. He just does not speak. I really get the impression that he enjoyed the bear. I love it. Might have to pull Padlock back. Is it like a giant full size bear or like it's like a t- like- to the hip? We call him Padlock because he has this necklace chain with a padlock on it. And certain people can unlock the padlock if they have the magic touch. Okay. (laughs) I love that. I almost named my dog Padlock. Mm -hmm. I love it. We had a little contest. We we found the bear. We posted it on our Instagram. We're like, what do we name this bear? And somebody had seen it and they were like Padlock. There were so many amazing names though. So many escape room related names that I was like, this is way too hard to choose, but it just it stuck with them. So every day we walk out, we just give them a little rub on the head. And we're like, oh, that, we is, that is so funny though. We <laughs> randomly will bring that up and be like, I wonder if Richard has ever told anybody about the bear. He most <laughs> so certainly funny. has. I love that you brought that up. You are both diehard Red Sox fans who travel annually to different ballparks to see the Sox play. What makes a great stadium experience for you and which stadium is the superior one? I think it's just like the atmosphere and being surrounded by the fans. Obviously, us being Red Sox fans, like Fenway Park is always going to hold a tight spot to my heart. But just being able to travel and see all the different stadiums, it's kind of like an escape room. Everyone has their own look to the stadium, different feel to the stadium. We're actually going to Wrigley this summer in Chicago, so we're super excited. That's been one on our checklist forever. We're also going to be hitting some games up in Chicago, Mind Trap, which you guys are, I'm sure, familiar with. But as far as that goes, besides escape rooms, baseball and traveling are you know, at least two of my favorite things, and I think Tay mm-hmm. as well, so that's why she tries to get us Red Sox tickets every year. And it's funny... There's a lot of Easter eggs inside of servants and pins and needles towards the Red Sox. So hence Fenway's magic shop. Which would never, ever be in New York. It would never. <laughs> never. I know. It was it was already a sin that we were creating these environments in New York. I don't know. We talked about this, I think, when you came to visit. I don't know how it transitioned into that. But it's also like for me too, going to a game is very similar to me walking into an escape room where I'm like, okay, I don't have my phone for an hour. I'm like totally submerged into mm-hmm. this. When I'm at the park, when I'm at a game, I'm just all in and I just enjoy myself. And it's just a very nice thing to enjoy with somebody. I can't say that I'm a Red Sox fan, but my cousin was the mascot for the Red Sox for about a decade. She was Wally Stop the Green Monster. It. No way. We can chat about that in a bonus episode. I'm going to have to get an autograph. (laughs) (laughs) So I hear that congratulations are in order because you two are engaged. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I didn't realize I don't have my ring on. We were just painting. So I'm still covered in a little bit of paint, but thank you so much. Are you going to have any puzzles at your wedding? We talked about this with David. They gave us some tips about what they did 
which was not puzzles, but puzzles at their wedding. <laughs> Everybody joked whenever we got engaged, they're like, are you going to make us like solve a freaking puzzle to get in? And we were like, oh, of course For we sure. are. We are. Some sort of scavenger hunt. We got some great ideas from David and them. So We'll definitely incorporate something. We're not sure. I think we've been engaged for, I don't even know, five or six years now, but we're finally getting married next year. And so we're about to send out Save the Dates this month. So I think we'll do a cute little thing and might have a puzzle on there to see what the date is in the venue. So we'll see how it goes. It's still accepting all of the puzzle recommendations. We actually got engaged at Fenway. And then right when we were about to start wedding planning, that's when we found the clear water spot and everything kind of got put on hold because we were building out down there. Blame it on servants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So what comes next for you? What are you working on and anything you want to promote? Yeah. So we are working on a couple things. So we just opened up our third location. So our second one in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is really exciting. Our first adventure there was Hidden Needles Tattoo Parlor, but it will eventually be home to six total adventures. And our next adventure that we're building is we don't have the exact name for it just yet. So it'll hopefully be something very creative, but it'll be a dorm room of sorts. The concept is you have basically trashed your dorm room, and it is parents weekend. And so you have to clean everything up before they get there. When you walk in, it's a wreck. So as you solve, it's clean. So that's the kind of basis that we're working with. But we also are in the midst of opening a coffee shop in Wilmington, North Carolina. So that has been taking up much of our time. We are also designing adventure number three in Clearwater. So those are a couple things going on. Plus a wedding. Yeah, plus, plus a wedding. wedding. Plus Hopefully, um, we'll be working on another really cool project with some YouTubers here soon, which we don't have all the details just yet, but fingers crossed because that one seems like a really, really fun project. Mm -hmm. Very cool. We look forward to seeing all of the wonderful things that you're creating. Where can people find you on social media? They can find us at The Exit Games for our Wilmington location or at The Exit Games FL as in Florida. Both of those are Instagram. You can find us the same way on Facebook as well. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. Tay and Josh, thank you for joining us. I only recently met you, but I feel like I've known you forever. It's so much fun to chat with you. We have loved it. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. It was so fun. So nice to finally meet you know, so many people. I feel like it's been such a long time coming. So many people that we see names throughout the industry and across enthusiast pages. So it's really cool to finally get to meet a lot of new people that are very similar to us and just love to talk escape rooms because our closest friends are big escape room junkies. So it's amazing to always be able to meet new people that have a passion for it. We feel like we know everybody, even if we haven't met them like PG, for example, I've seen you on all the pages. So even though I haven't met you officially until just now, I've always felt like I've known you and David, you and Lisa, when you guys came down, I felt like I knew you. Oh, that's awesome. It's a great community. It really is. And if you would like to meet Tay and Josh and a whole bunch of other wonderful escape room players, you can join our Orlando 2023 tour, which has a few tickets available. And all of those tickets that remain are for extension two, which includes exit games in Clearwater. So you too can meet Josh, Tay, and play all of these fantastic games that we've been talking about. You can learn about that at roomescapeartist.com slash Orlando-2023. We hope you join us. And congrats on your Golden Lock Award.
Thank you so much. I'm so yes. excited yeah, that's about that. Sorry if I just screamed into the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We're so excited about that. Oh my goodness. The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Lisa Spira. Music by Ryan Elder of ryanelder.music.com. Edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media and brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. Our Patreon is the backbone. It is the foundation. It is the thing that allows us to put in all of the time, care, and money that we invest into creating podcasts like this and all of the daily content that Room Escape Artist creates. David and I have put a lot of work and thought into creating really awesome content for our Patreon supporters. Backing us at the $5 level gets you access to the RIA Discord. We have really fun conversations, discussions about escape rooms, immersive experiences, and more. And it also gets you access to our bonus show. This is a companion show to our main episode, and it's usually a more casual chat with our guests and each other. These episodes are pretty long. They're another 40 to 60 minutes. So if you can't get enough of our content, you can get more of it here. And we also tend to get a little bit looser here as well. If you have been enjoying this podcast, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It doesn't cost you anything, but it really helps us spread the word about Reality Escape Pod. Thank you to our highest level Patreon backers. Breakout Games, Derek Tam, Olivier Escape, Escapism, Escaparium, Panic Room, Byron Delmonico, Josh Rosenfeld, Paula Swan, Rex Miller, Scott Olson, and the Ministry of Peculiarities. Thank you all so much for your ongoing support. So Project Minotaur was personally an experience that we absolutely loved. And in this experience, though, they very deliberately tell you that you cannot do certain things or you will get hurt. And when those moments happen in the heat of the moment, you get to run in when you're not supposed to run. And uh, there's certain things in the atmosphere. And I smashed my nose and broke it mid-game, but my adrenaline was pumping so hard that I could care less. I literally, I was just keep on trucking along. I was going and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm good afterwards. And it wasn't until way later, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, this guy's a little broken right here. So it's one little baby battle scar from an escape room, but all in all out of 350, I think we're doing okay. Yeah, and immediately after Project Minotaur, we went to play Miss Jezebel's Tea Party, which is a complete different style of game. And we were all, so shook and our adrenaline was still pumping it was so hard to solve two plus two inside of that game and miss jezebel so we were all still shaky it was so funny but yeah that's probably one of the funniest moments and wildest moments and it was at my own fault so that's why it was funny it was not to anyone's fault but my own so i want to make that clear to that venue wow you're so dedicated you played with a broken (laughs) nose afterwards i'm impressed it was fun it made a good little scar but we're good